Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. Well, welcome back as we head into Hour 2. It is a privilege and an honor to uh, bring this new author on the show, Peachy Keenan. I would call her the Princess Culture Warrior. Her brand new book, Domestic Extremist, A Practical Guide to Winning the Culture War, number three in political philosophy books or philosophy books at Amazon, tearing it up all over Fox News and the podcasts. Peachy Keenan, welcome to the show in the airwaves of Phoenix. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, although I prefer Queen to prin- to uh, Princess. Well, we'll see how the interview goes. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> <That was> good. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I first came to your byline and attention. I think, if I'm not mistaken, it was a couple, maybe few, even years ago, in possibly a Claremont publication, maybe the American Mind or something like that. Is that possible? Where I first may have read you? Is that possible? Oh yeah, there. That's that was the first magazine I started writing as Peachy Keenan. Yeah, the American Mind. It, well, it was. It, I've been following you ever since, and congratulations on your book that's just out again. Domestic extremist: A practical guide to winning the culture war. First time guest. Hopefully. Um, Repeat, but uh, tell the audience, I I always ask my authors, tell the audience a little bit about yourself, how you grew up and how you came to be doing what you're doing, any way you want to tell it. Okay, sure. I'll try to summarize it. So, yeah, I grew up in Southern California, and I was a, you know, coastal elitist, uh, a liberal, a secular atheist, um, you know, pro-choice feminist, and I was like that all all through college, all through my 20s. And then finally, over a series of events, um, lucky events, I sort of became a political conservative, and then I became a social conservative, and then I converted to full-blown traditional Catholicism, and um, now now I'm basically a stay-at-home mother, work-at-home mother of five children here in California. And um, I have always been a writer, but never, really was never working, and I was like a marketing copywriter for advertising and, and Hollywood studios. And started writing politics um, around 2019, and here I am today with a book from Regnery that just came out last week. Well, it is fantastic. Domestic Extremist, A Practical Guide to Winning the Culture War. You have a great pen. Are you able to share with us a little bit about what those points were that made you start rethinking your uh, adherence to leftism and moving over to the... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, basically, I I would say the first phase was Mm -hmm. 9-11. I was pretty shocked. To see that, you know, that very night, American college students were burning the American flag, like in New York City, in Union Square, as bodies were, you know, on fire at Ground Zero. And my kind of inner patriot was really awakened. My parents had been, you know, Reagan Republicans. My grandpa was a veteran, you know. And so that kind of awakened a like a little like defensiveness in me. Like, wait a second, I don't. I really wasn't aware that that the left was that far left. Mm-hmm. And I was like, forget that, <laughs> no way. And so I became sort of a more conservative, political conservative. Then, and then when I met my husband, he was the first person I'd ever met who owned a gun, who um, was pro-life, and you know, in the process of sort of courting me and wooing me, we would have these discussions. 
And look, what can I say? He, you know, he fixed me. He wore me down. <laughs> he kind of like, I realized like, oh, maybe this guy has a point. And for some reason, it was sort of like, um, you know, helped me fall in love with him even more. So um, we got married. And then um, our first pregnancy, unfortunately, ended in a miscarriage. And that was really the start of our journey towards Catholicism together. Well, I, I, I'm listening to that story, and I love conversion stories. I had one, too. <laughs> and uh, I won't bore you with it right now, but... I, I can imagine people in the audience hearing you say the man you met who became your husband, he fixed you, being offended by that. And and, and I have no doubt you've, you you intended it as exactly as you said it. Uh, what would you tell to those who are offended by that statement of yours? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that for a lot of young women, and I was one, you know, it really you know, they have sort of bought into all of the lies of feminism. And I did, too. My 20s were about avoiding pregnancy. They were about avoiding marriage. They were about myself and my career and having fun with my friends. And I sort of realized just in the nick of time um, that I was wrong, had been wrong about all those things. Mm. And I discovered motherhood. <laughs> I discovered that I liked babies. And I didn't know those things. And I also discovered that I, there was no way I was going to leave my baby with a stranger to go back to the office. Like, that was just not, I was not going to be equipped to do that. And so I realized, like, these women like me are being being sold a bill of goods. They're being kind of tricked into de- denying what I found to be just, like, this innate, natural process of becoming a mother and becoming a wife. And my husband, like, he didn't really fix me. I mean, I maybe I fixed him. Um, we're, you know, we have a, we're equals in every way, even though I'm not a feminist. Um, you know, I am in charge of a lot of things in our household, and we're best friends. And I just mean really that him kind of uh, talking about issues like like life, like, um, you know, social, social issues really made me think no one had ever pushed back on me ever. And I think that's the problem with a lot of women. They won't listen to anyone push, pushing back. But luckily, when you are attracted to someone and you want to, you know, impress them, you maybe, maybe you'll listen. So I hope young men out there... <laughs> It's a, well, it's an interesting point because there's this new study out. Um, you've probably seen it or at least are familiar with the thesis. Oh, yeah. yeah, where more and more people are certainly putting off marriage. Uh, our marriage rate is, I think, at its lowest in history right now. But more and more people are segregating uh, by politics who they will date. And that seems to me a very, very sad thing. If you go to the dating apps, right, you now fill out, I think, I think, I've been told you fill out, you know, liberal, conservative, whatever. And and it's, yes, and it seems to me, it seems to me we're just further confederizing our social relationships as we are a country. Yeah, uh, there was just a viral tweet or a TikTok video a young woman posted where she said that she, she couldn't figure out why all the men she liked. Right. The ones who were chivalrous, the ones who wanted to, you know, take care of her, the ones who wanted to kind of fill that traditional masculine role, but all of them were conservative. Right. And she could not find a single liberal man who who acted like that. You know, the liberal men want to make you pay for dinner, and they don't want to open the door for you. And even these feminist young women still want those things because that is the natural kind of way of life. That's how a man courts a woman. It's not attractive to for a man to insist a woman pay for dinner. I mean, we've been arguing these for these things for decades, but the proof is in the pudding. And I think young women are discovering this, you know, in real time. And, um, you know, good luck on those apps, like narrowing your search down to, like, liberal men. <laughs> they have much higher rates of erectile dysfunction, which I learned researching the book. Huh. So 
I urge young women to seek out men with who are slightly more conservative. We're talking to Peachy Keenan, her book, Domestic Extremist, A Practical Guide to Winning the Culture War. You know, just that subtitle, um, Peachy, is interesting mm-hmm. because there's a debate even in conservative circles now, or maybe even more so in Republican circles and somewhat in conservative circles, that this idea of the culture war doesn't belong in our politics. I have always thought nothing could be more important, but I wonder what you think. I I put it this way. I say you may not be interested in political philosophy, but it's interested in you. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I, I, I think that it's so much bigger and so much more important than politics. I mean, as we know, you know, one election isn't going to fix what's ailing us and what's ailing the country. Um, the, just finding the right candidate is just a Band-Aid on a much larger issue, which does come down to culture. And by culture, I mean families and society and what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman. How big should your family be? Should you stay home? All of those issues are the culture war. And we can see, you know, the results of several decades of sort of decaying all those things. And, you know, the American dream has never felt further out of reach for more people. And I think the reason is very clear. You know, why are people so depressed? Why are they, why are rates of antidepressant use so high, especially among older women? Why is the marriage rate collapsing? Birth rates are collapsing. You know, we are going into an era of real population crisis in developed nations. um, And people don't seem to be happy. All of these things were supposed to make us all so happy and liberate women. And none of those results are, are coming, are coming true. That's right. You think about what we have access to as a country right now. We're probably we probably have more money than we've ever had. We have access to more intelligence than we've ever had. But at the same time, those things, church attendance is at its lowest rate. Marriage is at its lowest rate. Heck, age, longevity, age expectancy is now three mm-hmm. years in decline, drug use and suicides. Uh, yeah. It's kind of it, it, it's it's a it's a paradox that you can only point to the culture. And to to find why this is happening and what we've been doing to our children to, mm-hmm. uh, shall we say, speed along that happenstance, beginning with, as you are so good at explaining, the war against nature. I mean, just the war against men and the war okay. against females. I have to take a quick commercial break. Might we pick up on that when we come right back? Absolutely. My guest, thank you. My guest is Peachy Keenan, K-E-E-N-A-N. Her book, Domestic Extremist, A Practical Guide to Winning the Culture War. Just out. You want this book. And we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. My guest is Peachy Keenan, K-E-E-N-A-N. Her brand new book, Domestic Extremist, A Practical Guide to Winning the Culture War. And on that culture front, um, Peachy, it seems that Hannah Arendt in the 50s wrote this essay. She she said, uh, it seems to me the ideal model of progressive education is that we will be having adult political games played out on the kindergarten yards of our children. And it seems we have been using our children to play out our culture wars in many, many ways. I noticed it at first when National Geographic in January 2017 was highlighting nine-year-olds who had gone through transgender or sex change operations. And then, boy, did I see it during COVID. I wonder if you might just speak to the war against children, the war against nature, the war against males and females. Yeah, it's pretty stunning. I mean, if you dare to teach your children that there are only two human genders, or indeed in all of 
you know, um, human nature, in the world, there's only two genders. That basically is like an act of war right. or something, an act of treason. You know, you might go in California now, you can like be, arre- be arrested for child abuse or neglect mm-hmm. if you don't immediately affirm your three-year-old or whatever. And um, yeah, I mean, like I said uh, recently, it definitely feels like the left is using children as human shields. Um, you know, like terrorists will do. They'll surround themselves with children Correct. so no one can attack them. Right. And it feels like they're using children, and I, I mean young kids, kindergartners, preschoolers, yep. even toddlers, to protect their kind of crazy ideas. Yeah. Because a nice person doesn't want to hurt a child. Right. You don't want to make a child cry. You don't want to hurt, you know, make a child want to kill themselves or something. So, of course, you must affirm. You must get your get the three-year-old on the puberty blockers and chemically castrate, you know, eight-year-old boys and permanently sterilize them and confuse them. Or else you're trying to harm children. I mean, they've just twisted it all around. I saw a sign at some rally or something that said, protect trans kids. Mm-hmm. You know, and for a second I thought, oh, someone's on our side. <laughs> and then I realized, no, that sign really means protect trans kids from their own parents. Right. It's Orwellian because we call it gender affirming care when it's really yep. sex changing isn't it yeah no exactly they've again captured the language right. as as the left is so good at doing talk about adults acting like children for a minute or what uh, <laughs> brett weinstein calls children in adult bodies for a moment i was looking i was like yeah right i know you can laugh or cry yeah i was watching the pride event at the white house no doubt you saw the video mm. of this over the weekend yeah i did and uh, joe biden and jill biden turned the south white house lawn into hunter biden's laptop that's what i saw <laughs> <laughs> right. Complete with topless uh, yes. men and women, yes. whatever they're called, yes. flaunting themselves. I know, it's pretty shocking. And yes, then I, it became a burlesque show on the White House lawn. And people right. And um, these people who thought there was nothing wrong with it said, um, we're just affirming our truth. Yeah, and the, the transgender woman who had breast implants, who right. stripped off right. Um, right at the White House, she then, I just saw this morning, she said that it's, it's hate to claim that she should have worn a shirt because right. it's legal to go It's legal in D.C. as if Peace Street <laughs> DuPont Circle is the South Lawn of the White House. Right. Yeah. Now, uh-huh. of course, uh, yet again, another event billed as family-friendly, right. Right. filled with nudity, filled with right. sexualization. Right. Um, you know, they claim in the same breath, we're not grooming kids, we're not sexualizing kids, but look, here's a stripper. Yep. <laughs> and, I mean, we've seen event after event like this, a family-friendly event with nudity, sexual behavior, um, it just seems, there seems to be no end in sight. It's very clear that they're trying to entice children. It, it, it keeps reminding me of the scene in, you know, the old Disney Pinocchio movie yes. where the little boys are taken to Pleasure Island mm-hmm. and they're, turned, they're, 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 they're transformed yes. into donkeys. Yes. And it seems like we're kind of living that again in a very real and very visceral and really scary way. P.G. Keenan's book, Domestic Extremist, A Practical Guide to Winning the Culture War. You know you're going to love it from the very first couple pages <laughs> because she has, you know, people remember those signs that were really prevalent in 2020, 2021 that said, in this house we believe Black Lives Matter, in this house we believe what uh, science is real. Um, uh, love is love. Love is love. So she gives she gives you an alternative poster right on right in the first pages. Parents are the in this house we believe parents are the bosses of their kids. That's something we've lost, Peachy, too, isn't it? Um, That's right. We have infantilized adults, but we've also ripped children from their precious Garden of Eden in a sense too by foisting on them 
not only the responsibility of adulthood, but adult decisions and imagery that we used to think was the essence of protecting children. Yeah, I don't know. It's these these uh, millennials have just been, you know, thought of themselves as fur parents right. for too long, you know, with their fur babies, their their dogs and cats. Yeah. And then by the time they maybe squeeze out one or two kids, they 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 tend to treat the children as equals. Yeah. And there's no authority because to be an authority figure, well, that makes you that makes you a conservative. That that's, ma- that's that's too mean. And so you're not only treating children as equals, but these I see post after post of a mother. You know, her, my three-year-old, he just woke up one day and told me he was a girl. Mm-hmm. And so I just had to listen to him. I have to believe the children. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, have you ever met a three-year-old? Like, my son thought he was Buzz Lightyear for yep. like five straight years. That's right. Thank <laughs> God like, he didn't no. think he was Batman and could jump off a building because we wouldn't want to, <laughs> you know, we wouldn't want to deny him his, uh, right. my, his truth my at that age. Yeah, my three-year-old demands ice cream. They yeah. demand ice cream at five in the morning for breakfast. Yeah. Your job is to say no, period. <laughs> did, did you, Peachy, have you lost friends? Um, net you know, loss, net funny. gain, I guess, is the question, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at some point we did have to pull the ripcord on our liberal friend group. I mean, by the time I had, like, my fourth child mm-hmm. and then I converted to Catholicism, they pretty much got the idea that I was, like, not going to feel comfortable around their, around them. But really it was they wouldn't feel comfortable around me. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like there was a sense I had betrayed the sisterhood. You know what I mean? I had betrayed them by... By, by turning to the dark side. From a movement that is so, against judgmentalism, you were the one who was judged, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, there was never like a screaming fight, although now that I've shown my face, you know, since last week, my book launch, I, I'm waiting for someone to like, you know, send me some angry messages. Um, but we, yeah, we had to find a new friend group. And to be honest, I'm very grateful, you know. Um, luckily, being Catholic, we found some nice friends through parish and through a school. And more importantly, my children now get to be around children who are like-minded, you know, who aren't staring at porn on their phones when they're 12 years old, you know, who aren't um, talking about adult things, who, who don't, you know, who don't use their pronouns every time they meet you or change their pronouns. So we're very lucky. And I feel like, you know, hell is other people's children. You have to be really careful who you're letting your kids hang out with That's these right. days. That's right. Well, kids are influenced by two groups, their peers and the adults around them, right, mm-hmm. including their yep. parents. And uh, that's the only time you as an adult get get a say, get a choice, get a vote on that. And they've done an awfully big number on them. I want to be sensitive to your time, Peachy Keenan, and hope that this can be a down payment. Next time I'd have you, I'd like to have you on and talk to you about whether you're optimistic or pessimistic. I think I know the answer to that. But <laughs> it's been wonderful getting to know you a little bit and getting our being able to have our audience get to know you as well. Thank you so much. I'd love to come back anytime. I'd love to have you. Peachy Keenan, K-E-E-N-A-N, the book Domestic Extremist, A Practical Guide to Winning the Culture War. It's smart. And you will also laugh. And it'll give you the alternative to crying when you read about this culture by laughing with Peachy. And you'll learn a lot, too. I can't say enough good things about it. Domestic Extremist, A Practical Guide to Winning the Culture War. I'm Seth Leibson, and we'll be right back.
China, Russia, India, Brazil, and Saudi Arabia are conducting international trade in local currencies, not to the U.S. dollar. Threats to our financial freedom and stability are growing. Rising interest rates and bad loans are exposing the banking system and causing failures. And the Biden administration is sending hundreds of billions of dollars abroad while depleting our strategic oil reserves and ignoring crumbling infrastructure here at home. However, The biggest financial threat may be coming from within. Central bank digital currency is real. The patents have been filed, and the big banks have released plans for implementation. The vets at Midas Gold Group see devastating implications. The end of cash, the end of financial privacy, be government able to see your every purchase? Could there be ties to social credit? Own private currency, gold and silver. Now get free silver just for asking Midas Gold Group how you can use your retirement to own physical gold. Call the Midas Gold Group today at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. MidasGoldGroup.com. The only precious metals dealer, Seb Gorka, I, and thousands of you already know. I was looking up that... uh, Language list, the preferred words initiative, David, with regard to Lori Lightfoot becoming a senior fellow at Harvard, questioning whether they would allow the title senior fellow to maintain or obtain there, given college uh, efforts to change our language. And I found the list, and uh, son of a gun, um, fellow has somehow slipped through. It's not on the band words list. Chairman and chairwoman is banned. Congressman and congresswoman is banned. Fireman and fire, fireman and fireman is banned. Freshman is banned. Gentlemen is now everyone. Guys has to be folks. People are everyone. He is they or the person's name. Ladies is everyone. Landlord, landlady, no longer used. Property owner is what we call them. Uh... Man hours, person hours. You like that? Um, Man in the middle, person in the middle, mankind, humankind, man-made, made by hand, manpower is personnel resources. Um, You guys is folks, people, or everyone. Uh, There's something about pronouns. Oh, yeah, you're not allowed to say preferred pronouns. Just say pronouns. What are your pronouns? Not your preferred pronouns. Just just <laughs> pronouns. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, why we have a hashtag uh, MOFA, make Orwell fiction again. It's just becoming truer and truer every day. Do you have a further comment? Or is, oh, we had a caller who uh, we lost, but he said what? What was his call? What was he asking? I... If I if I'm getting the gist of it, it was the question of if Ramaswamy is elected, he could enter into some sort of bargain similar to what uh, Vice President Agnew did when he was convicted of uh, tax evasion charges and accepting bribery while in office of uh, nolo contendere. Yeah, and you're, you're the resident no lawyer contest, in this uh, nolo contendere player and C plea. Well, the Agnew thing, as memory serves, was a special deal where if he resigned and agreed. To plead nolo contendere, he would not have to face trial or get jail time. He would get something like uh, probation, 
I don't know if he got community service, but probation, <laughs> I think. I don't think you saw him picking up trash trash on the on the streets of Baltimore. Yeah, it was a special deal, deal where he had to agree to resigning to do it, to get it, to receive it. But it is the equivalent of a guilty plea. And, uh, in fact, um, I just don't see Donald Trump copping to that, nor is the case similar. I mean, are the char- nor are the charges similar in, in – um, Spiro Agnew's case, it was mostly fraud and tax, wasn't it? The counts we have here are, uh, I mean, if, if given penalties, they would, they would go to multiples of years. I mean, it's an absurd thing to think, but, I mean, tens and tens and tens of years. I mean, it's so it, it, the penalties, the, the federal government would never agree would just never agree to to Trump doing it, and Trump would never agree to doing it. So I think it's pretty much off the table. The Vivek Ramaswamy thing uh, negates the need for any of that. He can just give him a complete pardon, and it wipes everything away. Zero. Pardoned. No punishment, no plea, no nothing. So it's, it's, not, it's not a better option. Does that answer the question? Well, uh, that would depend on the caller. Yeah, it would depend on the question. (laughs) I like that. All right. I I have some audio coming back. You are simply not going to want to miss. Looking forward to it. Folks, thinking about the Biden administration and how it's handling the economy, you think about the bank failures, the stock market volatility, inflation that's anything but transitory now, and people talking about a recession, you ask, where can I, how should I invest? Well, why refi has an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed? A portfolio where you can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you like, with no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. There are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio offered by Y-Refi. They're based here locally. I encourage you to stop by their offices on Scottsdale Road and the 101. I have, and you won't get a sales pitch. No one's going to ask you to sign anything. If you tell them you play trumpet, they might offer you the chance to do that. They have a few there. They did that with me. But when you meet with the team at Y-Refi, you'll see why I trust them so much and like them so much, and you can too. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm, and you can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or call them at 888-Y-REFI-34. Folks, this... uh, Biden bribery scandal has received zero seconds of coverage from ABC, CBS, CNN, and NBC. ABC, CBS, CNN, and NBC have given it zero seconds compared to 291 minutes they spent on the Trump indictment as of this morning. Today, this is incredible audio. Ted Cruz at his best. Ted Cruz questioning the deputy director of the FBI, Paul Abate about this story, and I assume it also will get very little play outside of talk radio. Last month, a whistleblower brought to light the existence in the FBI of a report, an FD-1023, in which the informant alleges that President Biden and his family members engaged in a $5 million bribery scheme 
during his time as vice president. Deputy Director Abadi, is it true that the FBI has a report making those allegations? Uh, I'm not going to comment on that, Senator. And why is that? I'm just not going to comment on uh, information we've received, investigations. Do you owe an obligation to the American people to be candid about evidence of corruption by the President of the United States? This is uh, an area that I'm not going to get into with you, Senator. Well, I understand you don't want to, and that's why people are mad at the FBI, because you're stonewalling and covering up serious allegations of evidence of corruption from the president. Yesterday, Senator Chuck Grassley stood on the Senate floor and alleged that there are 17 recordings of this informant from Burisma, Ukrainian natural gas company, 15 of them are recordings, voice recordings of him talking to Hunter Biden. Two of them are voice recordings of him talking to Joe Biden. Deputy Director Abate, does the FBI have 17 voice recordings laying out evidence of a bribery scheme? Senator, I'd add all, I would add also that uh, we've worked with the House Oversight Committee. Yeah, this is the Senate. We're the other side of the Capitol. This is the Senate. Do you have those 17 recordings? I'm not going to comment on any investigative matters, Senator. See, that's the problem. The FBI, and I've had this conversation with Chris Ray too, this is why you are damaging the institution. The American people have a right to know whether there is serious, credible evidence that the President of the United States took a $5 million bribe. And by the way, if it's false, Chairman Durbin just rolled his eyes. If Chairman Durbin were interested in the rule of law, we would have a hearing on these allegations. But of course, the Democrats don't want a hearing on these allegations. And to be clear, if the allegations are false, you know who could disprove them? Joe Biden. He could call for this to be released publicly. But the FBI is stonewalling. Would you agree? Senator, no one's stonewalling. The 1023. You just said you refused to answer the question. Response to a subpoena. Okay, then why'd you refuse to answer my question? The pertinent information is there, and I reject your assertion that the FBI is politicized. Why did you refuse to answer my question? I just answered your question. Okay, so yes, you have a 1023. Do you have the 17 recordings, yes or no? I'm not going to get further into that. So you're stonewalling. You can't say I'm not refusing to answer your question, but I won't answer your question. I'm going to answer within the parameters that we operate in. That's the problem. The FBI has right now an unlimited hubris that you believe you are unaccountable. You don't believe you're accountable to the United States Congress, and you don't believe you're accountable to the American people. And you are doing damage. The FBI is a great institution. When I go home to Texas, people ask me, should we abolish the FBI? Now, I tell them no, because you have heroes and patriots working for you that are catching child predators, that are catching terrorists. But you're sitting there happily erecting a wall to protect Joe Biden. Will you provide to this committee, not the House, the Senate Judiciary Committee, will you provide the FD-1023 and will you provide the 17 recordings so we can assess what is the evidence, the specific credible evidence that Joe Biden personally took a $5 million bribe from a foreign national? Senator, we will work with this committee, you and other members, to provide uh, the information within the parameters of the process. Will you provide the FD-1023, yes or no? I will take that back and we will work with our So you're not answering that. Will you provide the 17 recordings? 
we will take that back and we'll work with you. So you're not answering that either. Did you investigate in any way, shape or form these allegations? Senator, once again, I'm not going to comment. So you're not going to say whether you did your job. We do our job to the very best of our ability. Well, not here. You're not answering a single question to the American people. And you may think this is esoteric. I promise you, millions of Americans are concerned. You know who isn't concerned? Not a single Senate Democrat. We're going to go through this whole hearing. Not one Democrat will ask a question about this. You know who else isn't concerned? The corporate media who is joining with the Democrats in covering up this evidence. If Joe Biden is innocent... The evidence should be made public and demonstrate that he's innocent. But if he is not, is it true this informant who alleged that he personally took a bribe was an informant the FBI had relied upon previously in other investigations? Yes or no? Senator, in each and every uh, investigation that we have, all the work that we do, the expectation is that every... I logical asked, avenue, avenue investigation people... I asked you a yes or no fullest. question. Are you going to answer it? Yeah, I'm, I'm answering your question. Was the informant one you had relied on previously in other investigations? Yes or no? Senator, we run down every piece of information. Every you're not answering it then. You're refusing to answer it. So you're refusing to answer the question. To the fullest extent possible. You're refusing to answer the question. Senator, that time is in all instances. Senator, your time it's disgraceful. It's disgraceful, Deputy De- Director Abate. Disgraceful. So the FBI and the Department of Justice can leak everything they want to the New York Times and the Washington Post and the CNN and CNN when it comes to cover when it comes to investigating Donald Trump they can even hold press conferences from the attorney general's office and the attorney general can hold press conferences when it comes to investigating Donald Trump but they won't answer a question about by the way by the way how long does it take to investigate whether Hunter Biden lied on a federal form to purchase a gun and file his taxes. That was discovered years ago. It should be a five-day investigation, shouldn't it? The FBI, at its leadership level, has one purpose and one purpose only these days, it seems, and it's to protect anyone with the name Biden. Young David, what is your political pin today? After having spoken about him, I think three times in yesterday's broadcast, I had to wear a Stevenson pin. Oh, do you have an Adelaide Stevenson 56? This one's a bit interesting as I tend to, to bring out uh, Stranger Things with my pins as we uh, keep going through my collection. Uh, this is a 1960. What was he doing in 1960? In 1960, he was doing nothing. He'd been out of a job for about eight years. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was doing uh, nothing. Just walking, uh, walking the streets, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he was making a not-so-subtle attempt at the Democratic Convention in Los Angeles oh. to become the nominee. Oh, because for the third time. They thought... <laughs> Uh, of a, a younger man named Kennedy. I see. So he they, they, he made he made he made his own pins. Uh, well, I mean, you know, he had backers. Yes, I he, don't mean he physically <laughs> had a pin press that he was standing in the back of the convention at the. Dem- at, he did become 
uh, go on to become Kennedy's UN ambassador, though, right? With that great stare yes, down I with think the that Soviets. That was done yeah. in one of those smoke filled room type deals. You know, he wanted a certain position. I think he either wanted state or defense, and they <laughs> gave him the best they could offer, which was ambassador to the United and he, Nations. And he made a lot of news there. He had that. Well, famous... I, I don't think he expected that he would be making news. But... Oh, really? Oh, I, I think this was a disappointment. Oh, I see what you're a, saying. A, well, he made the most of it. That position. Yes, he yes. made the most of it, and he set the template for UN ambassadors, of which there have been too few, who exercised the full authority of their brains, rhetoric, and use of that office to make very famous speeches. There, he would be the first, then Daniel Patrick Moynihan, and then Gene Kirkpatrick, and since then it's been a little thin. Well, I, and in between, it's been a little thin. I, I like to affectionately think that we Republicans started that tradition with Henry Cabot Lodge. What did he famously do at the UN? He always stood up to Khrushchev. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, it was the whole "I'm waiting, I'm prepared to stand here till hell freezes over." Exactly by yes, Adlai yes. Stevenson. That was that was it was good. All right, Lodge, fine. Uh, that Peachy Keenan, my gosh, yes, her book is fu- is fun and it's smart. You know those sons. I was referring to them in this house. We believe black lives matter, women's rights are human rights, science is real. You know that nonsensical stuff in her book. It's in this house we believe parents are the bosses of their kids. Babies are good. More babies are better. Dating is for suckers. Two genders are plenty. Your career is overrated. Feminism is a cope for the unpopular and undateable. Mainstream American culture destroys families. We are going to win. Let's let's get a movement to get those signs in the front yards. Would you put one up, Bill? Would you, David? Oh, yeah, sure. We'll put one up in the studio. Okay, well, it's a start. In this studio, we believe. Yeah, I like it. It's a start. All right. Can you get that done? Can you talk to the suits upstairs and effectuate that? <laughs> yes. I will hold you to it. I expect to see the sign. I'll give you the Ramaswamy deadline, 48 hours. 48 hours. New Hallman coming up. We'll be right back. <laughs> 